0: A morning routine? Well, I guess I should ask Do you have a really great morning routine that makes you feel strong and powerful and ready to take on the day? If you don't, then I gotta tell you about our pre order gift for Girl Stop Apologizing. If you grab the book before it comes out, meaning anytime between now and March 12th, and you go to girlstopapologizingbook.com and enter your proof of purchase. We're sending you a freebie, a 15 minute video on my own morning routine and how I built it, as well as a PDF workbook that you can download and print out to create your own morning routine. How do you start with intention? How do you do something for your faith, for your focus, for your body, for your heart? These are the steps that I took to getting healthy both emotionally and physically. And if you don't already have a routine that you love, I think you're really going to love this. So, if you were going to grab the book anyway, you may as well do it in advance and get a little freebie. Girl, stop apologizing book.com. Go get the good stuff. Welcome to the Rise Podcast. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week, we'll be sharing tangible, direct advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. On this week's episode of The Rise Podcast, I am thrilled to welcome the head of one of my favorite brands, Barrett Ward from Able. You might not know the name, but you probably know the jacket. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen me wear one of their denim jackets nonstop for the past two years. Beyond having great style, beyond really cool products, they have an incredible missional heart. And I think you're going to love their story as much as I do. And you're for sure going to love the discount that they're giving all of the listeners of the Rise podcast. So make sure you listen to the end so you can find out how to get your new favorite denim on a huge discount. Um, hey, man, thank you so much for coming. I'm so
1: happy to be here. Yeah, honestly, it's I'm nice, really happy. It's
0: nice to do a face-to-face interview I know on the phone.
1: You know, the truth is I told them um, I wanted to come out here to... To be with you yeah. because to do I mean, first of all, we're grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. And I don't like phone podcasts. Yeah. If, I'll do it if it's a smaller podcast. Yeah. But I just feel like I want to see Absolutely. somebody and connect and well
0: it makes for such a better conversation for sure. I agree. Because when you are on the phone with someone or computer or whatever, you tend to accidentally interrupt. All the time. Huh. Not not intentionally. It's because you can't see the natural, like, the oh, cadence. they're taking a breath. Okay. Or they're, they're, they're They're done speaking now. So, uh, yeah, it's always funner, and I feel like the energy is better. Well,
1: I'm happy to meet you, and, and you know, grateful for what you've done for Oh, us. my gosh. That jacket? I don't yeah. know if you remember posting about of a jacket. Of course, but yeah.
0: I, was still wear- I almost wore it today, but I felt like it was too on the nose. I love that jacket. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. Crushed it. Good. It yeah, was good. good. It's a really good denim jacket. Right? <laughs> Well, you Yet are, again, we, I have nothing yes, to do with the yes. fashion side
1: of what we're Yeah, do. tell
0: me. So tell the story. Tell the story. We, we just launched in, chatting it up, but tell the story of who you are, where you're from. Let's like hear how it all got built. How well, she all began. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm Barrett, I'm married to Rachel.
0: <laughs> not, not this Not one. this Rachel. Different Rachel. A different Rachel. Yeah.
1: Race, yeah. And uh, we live in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin 2.0. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, totally. We almost, Nashville is our second choice. Really? Yeah, but we went Austin because we knew people here.
1: Yeah, it's a little more freaky yeah. here, too. You yeah, know. You I guys like a little the more. Weirdness. Yeah. yeah, we're working on it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we're trying to get there. Uh, we have four daughters, and yeah. so we've lived in Nashville now for about 20 years. We love it there. Uh, Abel started in about 2010 when Rachel and I were living in Ethiopia. And, you know, there's a long story to it, but we're a fashion company. Mm-hmm. And that means we sell shoes and denim and apparel and jewelry and bags. And, you know, but our mission is to create jobs for women
0: mm-hmm.
1: who have often overcome some pretty extraordinary circumstances.
0: And is that just domestically or internationally? It's as well? both domestically yeah.
1: and internationally. Awesome. You know, we make our jewelry in Nashville. Mm-hmm. We work with, um, there's 28 women there. You know, it's, it's actually one thing that we love and we're proud of is you know, five years ago, even four years ago, there was just five or six of us. And today uh, there's we just ran r- payroll at 86 people.
0: Wow. It, but
1: but 81 of them are women.
0: That's so. Rad. This is a women's run business. <laughs> That's awesome, And I love
1: that. And I'm so grateful for it. You know, um, and, and we're really women's focused, not only in, in our offices, but outward in our mission and how we do what we do. We um, we did start in Ethiopia by working with women there who had overcome prostitution, and I'll give some background on that as well. But we also work with women in Nashville, Tennessee, who have overcome, you know, addiction or prostitution. Because really the goal is, if you're going to be serious about solutions to poverty, you you know, charity is critical. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is critical. There are people that are destitute in the world. But from a solutions-ending generational poverty side, you have to create jobs, and you have to do it for women. Yeah, and that's not just a heart issue. Yep. That's a socially, scientifically proven Absolutely. fact that when a woman is given a job, we understand the impact that she has. She reinvests 80% of it into her family and her community, yep. whereas a man, sorry guys, Around we're only like world, 30 to yeah. 40%. And so that really, you know, we started by working with just a few women in Ethiopia out of them telling us they needed a job. But what we landed on is this is the strategy that we would have employed. Had we really knew where we were going with this in the first place, which is you, you know, creating jobs for women, good paying jobs for women. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. Yeah. How, how do you even begin? I've had the opportunity in the last couple of years to get to know quite a few people who have built similar businesses or they've started either co-ops or they've started factories in different places with the same, you know, heart-centered mission. But you have this idea, you're you're like, we're gonna create jobs now. What?
1: Yeah, that, that sounds, that makes me sound like this visionary. (laughs) I had an idea. I see where we're going. And really every step for me has just been stumbling upon the next thing. I would have never said that we're going to have all these product categories or have all these employees around the world. It really just started because when Rachel and I were living there and you've been to Ethiopia. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I went with a, do you know Jen Hatmaker? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I went with a Hatmaker's um, uh, and help one now a few years ago and got to see, uh, I love help one because they, um, they fund charities built by Ethiopians Mm -hmm. for Ethiopians. It's not someone from, you know, Western culture being like, here's what you need. Uh, so we, yeah, we got to go see some of the awesome work we were doing there. They were doing there and it was incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's very much our model. We, we, so when we started, We were actually there working in the adoption space, and I was working with vulnerable women and children, working with a local Ethiopian agency. And what we started running into was all these girls waving at us on the streets, and young girls. And what I thought was friendliness, eventually we realized was girls that were in the forced sex industry or Mm -hmm. were in prostitution. And so that was outrageous to me. It was completely... It just wells up your anger. I know you've been there mm-hmm. and you've seen it. And and we see that kind of lack of justice sometimes here in the States. Mm-hmm. But for me there, we started talking to those women and we started working with them with a local agency uh, that worked with women coming out of the commercial sex industry. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they worked in rehabilitation and counseling and therapy and childcare. It was awesome. It was the charity side, right? Mm-hmm. But as you started talking to these women, I think two things really happened to us. One was... I think I put women that were coming out of prostitution probably in a box, probably, probably made some bad decisions in their yeah. lives. You know, that's yeah. kind of what I think I had a prejudice of. Mm-hmm. And when you start meeting these women and you start talking to them, you start to find out, you know, one woman had come out of or gone into prostitution to save her sister from breast cancer, to mm-hmm. earn enough money to save her sister from breast cancer. Yep. So all of a sudden you're meeting the most heroic people. Absolutely. Right? Making sacrifices that I can't even conceive having mm-hmm. to make. I've always got a fallback yeah, in my e- life, personally. Every,
0: yeah, every woman that I had the opportunity to meet who had gone through this program and now they've built their own business, which was the idea when you came out of it that you could build your own businesses, um, every single one had that as their story. Mm. And when you got into the backstory, it was, I am go- I had to sell myself. Or my kids would starve to death. Right. Like, not, not like we don't pay rent or we don't eat.
1: We don't eat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And so that's obviously one part of the challenge. And, and then the second thing we heard from the women was, but you understand that we're grateful for this charity, but at the end of this road, and it's the same story you're telling, at the end of this road, if we don't have a job, then we're going to go right back to that. Absolutely. So we need to have an opportunity. So that was a real seminal moment for Rachel and I, where we decided that, you know, like I said, if we're going to be serious about solutions to poverty, we've got to get on the creating job side. And there's really just not enough people on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started asking the women, what do you want to learn how to make? We can sell something in the States, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. again, there's no genius here. It was yeah. like, and, and one of the women said, well, we'd love to learn to make scarves. And, you know, if they would have said, we'd love to learn to make microphones, yeah. we'd be a microphone yeah. company today. Yeah. Hence why I know nothing yeah. about fashion. <laughs> so, so Mesalu started training and Bezuayu and Mulu started training to make scarves. And uh, Minka Kelly is an actress actually came beside us and helped us launch a launch video. And it took off within about two months. We had sold somewhere around 4,123 scarves. Yeah. And we realized, oh my gosh, we've got something here. And what we had, you know, in that time, 2010, I mean, obviously women's empowerment feels like the business to be in today, right? But the reality was for at that point in time, I think it was a lot of women were coming into that place of like, hold on, let's, let's think about empowerment as a solution. And let's think about giving a woman a job as a solution. And so, and, and, and so I think our consumers really identified with the thought that, if I can spend my money that I'm spending anyways on something that creates a job for a woman and lifts her out of poverty, that is an extraordinary opportunity, yeah. right and And so that was, I think, the biggest ingredient to our success along with really good products. Mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. you don't have a business if you don't have good products. Absolutely. We couldn't lean into a mission message. Our first priority was to make really good products. So, So that's where we started, was just making scarves in Ethiopia, and um, and then Rachel and I moved back to Nashville, Tennessee. And when we were in Nashville, I mentioned before that we saw obviously in our own backyard a need for this as well. So we started training women to make jewelry um, that had come from similar backgrounds, and and now we've gone from three women making jewelry uh, three years ago to twenty eight. So it's so exciting, yeah, it's so fun, and that still is this. That's still the the thing that moves me and I'm sure you feel the same way, uh, whoever it is seeing someone have a job Mm -hmm. and a good job and being grateful and, and, and having healthcare covered or those kind of things is what still turns my wheel. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter how many people we employ. It matters how well we employ the people that we employ, you know,
0: I think, um, you know, this is such a, such an interesting topic for a myriad of reasons. Um, it's it's so I don't know if you ever get this or maybe this is something that people just only attack women for. Uh, but something that I have gotten grief about over the last let's say six months is as we build and scale this business and it becomes more successful, even though you know, 10 years of barely scraping by mm. and then we've had a couple of years that it's just exploded um, there is this idea of, you know, you're chasing the wrong thing. All you care about is money. You know, social media is weird Mm. and and people get angry and say these things. But the other day we were on a live stream and we were talking about a new product that we launched and someone commented and said, oh, so, so God told you that you should just charge people money for the things that you know. And I didn't see it. Dave Dave saw it. He deleted it before I could (laughs) see it. But I wish that I had, because I thought,
1: I want to respond to that. Yeah, yeah,
0: he did actually, because I have learned to build a business. 25 people here have jobs and feed their kids and pay their mortgage and their car payment Mm. because of the things that we've created. Mm -hmm. And so there's this I really believe in my heart, and if if we haven't given you a copy of the new book, I'm going to send you home with it today. Great, thank you. The things you're saying, girls, stop apologizing. Yes, like it is this idea of I feel like if women could just step more fully into these ideas that are on their heart, the the Mm. same thing that you were faced with, where you're like, we could probably sell something. I mean, you had no experience. You were like, I can, I can try. And if people would just step more fully into that, women specifically, the results would be atomic. Agreed. It would be unbelievable because of that idea that women do pour out on their children and their community. They they lift others up along with them. There's such power in women having the courage to, to build something which is, you know, we are speaking right now to an audience of primarily women who listen in on this. Hey. Um, but so tell me, I'm just fascinated how other businesses are constructed. You had scarves. You're yeah. like, we can sell scarves. Now you guys have my favorite denim jacket, Yay. the shoes, the, the the all the things, the jewelry, all the stuff. How do you go from scarves to I mean, did you ha- did you go like, oh, I know exactly how we got to get a designer, and then we have to have a pattern make. I mean, I'm making this up. I actually, don't yeah, know no, how I you
1: do it. it was mostly therapy, <laughs> a lot of therapy, you know. And 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 the truth is, is when I mentioned the the size of our employee base and the number of women that we work with, I I do want to say, frustratingly, I understand what you're talking about, and it actually doesn't hit men as yeah, much. Yeah, totally. There's this thought that we are breadwinners, that I think is. Subconsciously yeah. generates uh, an acceptance of driving sales, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But for us, you know, at Able, it really is just getting out of the way of the women that work with us. I mean, there's just five guys. I mean, yeah. we're we don't, and I don't know anything about fashion. Yeah. So it really has been looking towards mentors and leaders in the fashion space to help us think what is what does it look like around the corner. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think the most important thing that I've been able to do, you know. Really, when we really went for it, you talked about the last few years being really the blow up years Mm -hmm. for you. And for ABLE, it was the same. And, you know, when we really started getting going in 2014, that was easily the hardest year of my life. I've easily said a hundred times that if if I knew what I was getting into, I wouldn't have done it. So thank God I didn't know what I was getting (laughs) into because I'm glad we did it. Yeah, like parenting or marriage. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was a hard year, you know, I, um, you know, it's, it's that really fun moment when your three-year-old walks in and says, you know, why is daddy in fetal position on the cat, you know, on the shower floor? Um, and, and thank God for, you know, my wife and for the mentors that I surrounded myself with, Mm -hmm. because I would have never made it through that time period. So to me, when I think about how did we get started, when you asked that question, it was really about surrounding myself with people that not only could speak business wisdom into me, but really for me, more than anything, it was a lot of just emotional support, people Mm -hmm. that could empathize and help me understand. You know, when I listen to a podcast like How I Built This, right? I
0: love How I Built This.
1: How often do you really feel like you get business wisdom versus just knowing that you're okay? And that (laughs) everybody's going through it, right? My
0: favorite is hearing the stories where they're like, well... And then all of a sudden six pallets just showed up in our living room and we learned to like ship purses from our living room. Those are my favorite because so much of this is holy crap. We maybe bit off more than we could chew, but we got to figure it out because we have so many people counting on us to come through right now and let's just try. And here we go. And making mistakes in real time all the time. All the time. Yeah.
1: I mean, I remember, you know, our first year of really getting going in 2014, we ordered a bunch of leather bags. We were about two months late to our online customers, two months. And when they showed up, they were all the wrong color. No. And, and so we were just telling people the shipments on the way, Yeah, you know, and they all came in the wrong color. And I remember standing there with the three person team that we had at that point and trying to act really confident and standing in front of Jen and April and saying, so, you know, problems happen, challenges happen. Um, you know, girl, ladies, I've got to. I'll be right back. I've got to go do a couple of things really quick. So I went straight to the discount tobacco, tobacco store around the corner, grabbed my first pack of smokes in eight years, and <laughs> started chaining those I guess oh like it was my gosh. job. Oh my
0: gosh! Oh my gosh! And
1: then the next stop was to my friend Amber's house. He's a stylist, and said, "What do you think of this color? Does this work?" And again, it's just that storyline of, you know, I think looking for wisdom around and reading books and all those things are are important. But how many mistakes will you avoid through that? Maybe about 10 to 15 to 20%. Yeah. And the reality is, is the best prep you can get is that emotional prep. You know, that first year, another article I read said, people look at entrepreneurs and think, look how brave they are riding that lion. And entrepreneurs are thinking, how the heck did I get on this lion? And how do I stop it from eating me? <laughs> and that was you know that was my experience but i think through mentorship and through good people we got through that first year a little bit of lexapro helped out too mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you know yeah. we started smoothing out the operations yeah. and and as you're growing at that clip you're still going to have challenges totally. but i think you know my my biggest effort has been to try to create a baseline of understanding that wherever we're at is okay yeah you know and 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 i often have to get to the place of if this all fell apart, what do I still have?
0: Yeah. You know,
1: I have to do yeah. that in my mind sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know. I think some people are probably frankly more strong more entrepreneurial you know they're they're and when i say more entrepreneurial i think of it being defined as that person that's just built to tackle things yes yeah people that love chaos you know yeah. and i'm just not built that yeah. way you know well i
0: went we went to a at the beginning of 2018 was i turned 35 and my 35th birthday gift to myself was i bought tickets for myself and dave to go to tony robbins Business
1: Mastery. <laughs> awesome.
0: Now, I awesome. love Tony Robbins, yeah. and I had always wanted to go. I had a friend just go. and said it was amazing. Yeah, I've always wanted to go to Business Mastery, and it's so crazy expensive, like yeah. bananas. But I was like, someday, you know, you do the whole someday thing. So we go to to that conference, and what I love discovering is there are three types of people, and I'm not who I thought I was in business. So in business, there's a true entrepreneur. Okay an artist and a manager.
1: Okay, go, please Okay, yeah, right?
0: This is where I lay
1: down on the couch. Yes,
0: so I had always thought I am a true entrepreneur. A a true entrepreneur is in it for the business. An entrepreneur could walk away from their company today if someone offered them the right amount of money. Mm. It's about the business puzzle and figuring it out. An artist is in it for the art that they are making. They will sacrifice profits forever in order to, to have something come in the way that they want it mm. to. And then a manager is someone who is killer at leading people and creating processes. You can get all the things done, right? Yeah. Me too. I'm the same Can't way, but I am for sure an artist and I would have never told you that, uh, like I would have never known that was a thing, but I for years would sacrifice massive profits, to redo something 15 times to get it exactly the way that it was supposed to be in my head. Or I would I would put us into debt over delivering for the customer because I was so afraid that they were going to be upset or they wouldn't like the thing. So it was, um, interestingly enough, Dave's a manager and I'm That's an good. artist. So we don't have the entrepreneur person here. Right. Um, but it is super interesting as we navigate these things some people get really um, like a, like an entrepreneur might have gone through, you know, all your bags in the wrong color. We just went through a horrible situation a couple of months ago with um, journals. But we, we had a 3PL partner. For those of you who are listening, that's a third party logistics. Yep. So someone who ships your product. And everyone had told us I had this big plan, by the way. I'm like, we're gonna ship our product. We're gonna do it. We're gonna have a, a oh, warehouse. Hands on deck. Yes, we'll we're have gonna parties. do it. Yes. Like and similar to you, I'm really passionate about employing people. I have a I have a champagne bottle in my fridge with washi tape on it that says one hundred employees. Mm. Because my vi- my mm. my life That's cool. was changed. It this is going back to what you said earlier. My life was changed when I was able to financially take care of myself. And I did that through working. Mm. I did that through a job. So I got out of a hard childhood. I was able to leave home. I was able to support myself by getting a job. So I'm really passionate about creating jobs. We have a similar heart for this. Uh, So uh, we had this horrible situation where we partnered with a 3PL. Nobody wanted to do my warehouse idea, which would have actually been better than what happened. And we get really excited. We get the community involved. Journals go on sale. They're fired up. They're buying like crazy. Praise the Lord, because it was the first product we made. And we were like, please, please, you know how it is. You invest this money. And if they don't like this, we're in trouble because we just invested (laughs) all this money. So they're buying it. And I'm thinking, all we have to do is sell. If I can just sell the product that I've created, no problem. Well... Seven to ten business days was how long it was supposed to take to ship these journals, and about ten business days, eleven business days, oh. and we have no idea anything's wrong. Our our single, our one customer service team member comes in here one morning, and there are six thousand oh, emails, six thousand emails. Uh, uh, uh-huh. uh. So we're like, what's happening? We dig in and find that this shipping company, who was referred by a friend, big shipping company. Are you guys still friends? Um, he's yes. He was devastated. So <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. Um, but they shipped your stuff, right? So anyway, um, so <laughs> it was this horrible situation. People are pissed and like so upset. And you know me, I'm all about the the community feeling good and having great interactions with us. And we're like gutted. They hadn't shipped. They hadn't shipped. That weeks go by. Weeks go. By. It was horrible. Some people got seven to 10 business days. They got their stuff six weeks later. Like it was a nightmare. So not only do we have 6,000 emails to get through where we literally call, you know, anyone from church, you know, get the phone tree going, call the other moms at school. Everyone come in here. We get 25 people in here working on customer service emails. And the bummer is we can't even tell them, oh, don't worry. It'll be there tomorrow. You know, we're just like, we're sorry. have to refund. I mean- you know, you can, you can do the math on PTSD. Yeah. yeah, It's like so horrible. And in the middle of it, it it really, I mean, for about 10 days and Dave and I, by the way, we're sitting here, nobody, nobody in this company worked. All anybody did was answer customer service emails. And Dave and I sat here and worked through them and it was so much stress and so much pressure and like that. And and, it, and it's pressure do. because
1: you care. Yes. Because of the artist in you. Yes. I think the entrepreneur goes, yeah. what's the problem? Solve it. Yeah.
0: Or, hey, this is going to cost us this much and returned whatever. Right. And we what lost is the, some customers. Show me the PL. They don't care. Where's the bean counting? I'm like, devastated. I'm devastated. Me too. No. And it's just, honestly, because I know we have so many entrepreneurs and small business owners who listen to this. So I'd love your perspective on beyond going and getting cigarettes, which we do not recommend. I do not recommend
1: that. It didn't work um, actually. Yeah.
0: I, my thing is just, you. there is no other way to go, but to keep going. Yeah. You just got to keep going. You got this too shall pass. Yeah. You will get through it. Next Tuesday is not going to be as bad as this Tuesday. Just it, keep going. It will going. be the
1: rarity, not the norm.
0: Yes. What, what would you say for someone, if someone's in a similar season where they're like, I am drowning. My business is, I'm drowning inside my business yeah. because of bags don't show up. Journals don't get shipped. Yeah. Something outside your control.
1: Yeah. I, you know, for me, the, the thing that I appreciated most early when I was th- there's that saying, um, begin with the end in mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think by beginning with the end in mind for us at able, it put a couple of, you know, the Stephen Covey line about big rocks in place mm-hmm. first. And so the very first thing that we did is when, when I started ABLE, I said, okay, I've got a family. I've got three daughters at that point, now four. And so the first big rock is, is that my schedule is nine to five.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, with that said, there are still plenty of mornings that I wake up early before the kids get up or once the kids are down in bed, I've had put in a few hours. My wife will tell you many a time you know, even over marvelous, Miss Maisel, um, (laughs) still working on the computer last night. Uh, but, but, but that big rock was in place first. And then the second big rock that we put in place was mission. And, and that no matter what, we were never going to sacrifice that component. It's kind of what you said about customer service or taking care of the customers. We, we will take care of you first. Mm -hmm. If we lose on our end, That's okay because I want you to feel treasured and we want you to feel and know that you're important to us. So whatever that sacrifice takes to get you to that distance. And so for us, keeping that mission in place, figuring out how do we make sure every woman has a living wage? How do we make sure every employee has, you know, full maternity leave paid and a fully paid healthcare option? And while those things sound really specific, it's important to be specific and Mm -hmm. it's important to say, what are we building our company on? And I think when those big tragedies or big moments happen that are really hard for me is I'm going to go back to the big rocks and I'm just going to say, is that first one in place? How am I, How's my relationship with my spouse? As you say, am I being intentional in mm-hmm. that relationship? How are my relationships with my children? Okay. That's it. First off, right? Nothing else. You know, let's just start there. Mm-hmm. Next big rock. Are we still moving forward on the mission that we have? And so that even if this fails, even if this moment in time breaks us, we stayed true to those critical pieces. And I will have that moment of integrity uh, where I can look in the mirror and say, I did what I said I was going to do, you know, and, and because you can't control those things. Right. And sometimes those might break you. I mean, the reality is it may break your business. Now, hopefully, I mean, there's, there's a reality that a certain percentage of new businesses fail. Right. But, but, but most of us will be able to keep on going. Right. But if we can't, or if, even if we can, those bedrocks of whatever we put in place in the beginning will be the things that allow us to look in the mirror and be, you know, okay with ourselves.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think. Yeah. No. (laughs) Uh, So you, you, you go from scarves, you have jewelry, Mm. you have the apparel that's That's 2018, going into 2019. I was at Magic. I saw the Able. Magic, yeah. I was at Magic. Um, so tell, like, what what's next for you guys? What's the vision? Where are you now, and what's the what's
1: the dream? Oh man, you know, we we really developed all these new product categories for one reason only, and and that is for the mission. Because what we believe is is that you know, speaking kind of in business terms, there's that that statement of the blue water, where's the blue water, Mm -hmm. not the shark infested waters. Mm -hmm. And the blue water was really a fashion brand that was truly socially conscious. That outfitted a woman from head to toe, Mm. but then where that really hits the mission and why we went into all those categories is, you know, the, I don't know how familiar you are with the, or your listeners are with the fashion industry, but it's kind of atrocious. It's, you know, it's the largest employer, industrial employer of women in the world.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I, obvious, that feels about obvious 70, now, but it never yeah. occurred to Well, me. I
1: hadn't, I did not know that either, but about 75% of them are women, somewhere estimates around 45 million people that make our product, our clothes in the world, mm-hmm. make all of our clothes. And that of those women, only about 2% of them earn a living wage. And so what that means when we say a living wage, to take it out of kind of an anesthetized term and make it real is... A living wage means that you can barely make ends meet. So, for example, in Nashville, Tennessee, a living wage is $11.13. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of money. You know, that's, that's a little over $20,000 in a year. Mm-hmm. And, and in all these countries that we work with and, and in the fashion industry around the world, to think that we wear clothes on a daily basis that is probably made by a woman. There's a 98% chance that it's made by a woman that is working 12-hour shifts, six days a week, this is her life, you know? And I don't want to be too dramatic about mm-hmm. it, but that to me is like, that's no good. Mm-hmm. It's insane.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the question is, so how do you even begin to stop that? How do you even begin to become disruptive in that space to change the industry, right? And, and for us, the place that we started thinking about was consumer demand. So if you remember in 1996 there was a picture of a little boy and he was sewing together a football and it had a big swoosh on the side of it. Mm -hmm. He's from Pakistan. And that was a PR train wreck. And, and Nike tried to say, it's not our fault. We didn't do that. That's, Mm -hmm. we don't own that manufacturing. And consumers said, that's your fault. Yeah. Do something about it. Yeah. You can control this. Yeah. And when that happened, when, when you can literally change shareholder value mm-hmm. to being responsible, then, then you will see poverty change overnight. You will see problems be solved overnight, right? And so for us, what we've recently done is, and it, I don't know if you saw, but as far as I've seen, we're the first company that I've know, seen in the fashion industry to start publishing our lowest wages in all of our manufacturers. Wow. And the reason we're doing that, it's if you can picture like a nutritional label, uh, the vision is that in 10 years from now, that there's a nutritional label with the person's wage that made that product on every single product that we, ma- yeah. that we can buy.
0: Yeah.
1: And that would have to change consumer behavior.
0: Absolutely. That would
1: have to change consumer behavior. So you're looking at two different shirts and you know that that person got paid what is called the local minimum wage Mm -hmm. in that community, which is typically so low and it's certainly not a living wage versus someone that's paid a good wage, a living wage. Mm -hmm. Then I just think consumers will make a choice to buy that garment. And then what happens is, is that becomes more profitable for that company. It becomes a marketing element and I'm okay if it's a marketing element. If you're paying someone a good wage, market the daylights out of it. And then consumers will start purchasing from those companies. And I think eventually that has to turn into companies having to follow suit or they'll get buried underneath it. Yeah.
0: I think if you, um, I was talking earlier about magic, which is for people who don't know, it's a huge convention, um, manufacturers and brands both bring all their stuff, and they say, "Here's what we've got for next season." And then, if and you all own- the boutiques around yes, the country yes. can so come. Yes, stores purchase. go in, and they can see. Like, I, if I own a store, I can go in and see what Able has coming up for the next year. Uh, what is what is bananas? Hmm. Is that the first year I went to to Magic, I wanted to understand. Like, when I'm getting into anything, I want to understand how something works. So we went to the manufacturing side. And you'll be looking at, um, I don't know, like a faux leather jacket, let's say, at the kind of thing that you would see somewhere that would be $150. Right. And the cost of that unit is like 11 bucks. <laughs> and you realize number one, holy crap, there are people charge bananas amounts of money for yeah, that. There's some markup going on. But also, if that jacket with material and labor costs $11. There is no way that the person who made it can be successful. Like there's just there's just no way. There's not enough margin there. Exactly. There's not enough margin.
1: Yeah. And if you think about it, if we're publishing wages and and consumers start demanding so you talk about that, you talk about $10 shirts that some of our exactly large right. companies yes. around the world, $10 shirts, how could the cost on that is $2 to that company? There's no way, right, that that person's getting paid a wage, but what, or a good wage. But what happens is if you're publishing a wage, consumers start demanding it, they start doing their thing. They take an Instagram shot of their jeans label or the mm-hmm. denim jacket from Abel or whoever else, and they show the label that shows how much the person was paid, then, then, then consumers start thinking that's cool and they start passing around the hat, responsible people that actually care, invest in those kind of companies uh, with their purchases. Then what naturally will happen is wages will rise. And here's the bad news, is those cost of garments will rise a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But that's okay considering that in the last 20 years, consumerism has grown 400%. You know, my grandma still has the same dang same yes. furniture. Yes. She has the same tinfoil yes. from like
0: totally. 20 years ago, right? Yes.
1: And so I'm not saying it's bad to redecorate. I We just did. We love it, yeah. right? Our home. And there's a balancing point Absolutely. where consumerism probably needs to slow down. There was a turn towards labor around the world where we said, you know what, we're just going to keep pushing mm-hmm. down labor costs no matter how much it hurts them. And we'll keep pushing consumption up. And that's how we'll make money. And there should have been a block somewhere in there. There should have been someone of of principle that stood in the way of that. And so now we're saying since businesses didn't do it, consumers stand in the way of that. I you love know,
0: that.
1: Buy your, what, what do they call it? Your capsule wardrobe, yes, right? Yeah. Buy, buy a garment that kind of transfers between a few outfits. Yeah. Think more creatively as opposed to um, thinking of, High turnover.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, I I think the interesting thing that has happened in the last few years is the, the Instagram fashion. Here's what I'm wearing this week. Here's what you've got to buy. Here's what you need for summer. And I always feel like I'm the worst person ever. Cause I do show off my outfits every day Yeah, and 90% of what I'm wearing. They're like, where'd you get that? I'm like, it's 15 years old because right. all my stuff and if you followed me for a while you can see like this guy like this is a decade old like I just yeah. had uh, my my intention that that honestly I saw a documentary I don't I don't even remember what it was called years ago about fast fashion
1: too costly. Yeah.
0: And what it, what it meant to the, like, and how just by shifting where you were buying things or buying things that would last Mm. buying things that weren't cheap, don't buy something that's for this season, Mm. buy something that you'll want to wear six years from now. Um, and interestingly enough, it's why I love your stuff because personally I were, um, I don't like patterns. I wear I'm just like solid colors. I'm like not a pattern. Well, then you girl. are our girl. That's what. That's why I love your stuff. Like honestly, <laughs> because if you have something that doesn't have a pattern, ten years from now, I can still rock that denim jacket because I've had it forever. So for what it's worth, if you're listening, you're like, oh, what's a simple thing that I can do is be mindful, like work with the wardrobe that you have. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying like, hey, I love a new something as much as the next gal, but be mindful of where you buy from. Yeah. If you're buying, like you said, it's a ten dollar jacket. You know, I love. You know, we see those like big signs. We all know we're talking about H and M. We're talking about Forever Twenty One. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's just go ahead and say Let's it. Let's name it. Um, if you're if you're looking at something like that, um, I know the clothes are darling, but if it if it costs you less than twenty bucks. You need to be mindful of of how little it was made for. And if what your that deal is, is that yeah, good, yeah,
1: somebody else is not getting a good exactly. deal. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And and the product too. When you talk about timeless product, I think that's a really good point. And that's the way our designers design. And one of the things that we just launched is, uh, and you can go to the bottom of our homepage at livefashionable.com, and at the bottom of it says how to build an ethical wardrobe we're going to do a monthly series on building that ethical wardrobe. We're going to introduce other brands that we love and believe are genuine about what they're doing. It's almost the intention of it is to be almost the skim of ethical fashion. And so we want to, we want to put that information out there because at the end of the day, I think most people want to do exactly what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but knowing how to do it is the hard part. Of course. Finding it is the hard part. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think like we all have those moments where like, oh dang, I need, I for sure need that rainbow unicorn <laughs> shirt right now uh,
1: that costs six
0: bucks. Um, but just even being mindful of it, I think is, yeah, is important. I agree. Uh, so you talked about where you go, where, like what the heart is and where you want to stay, Yep. but like what's five years from now look like?
1: Well, you know, the publishing wages thing, I, I frankly, the thought of launching new product categories, um, this, this hair that you see used yeah. to be cute and not so great. And this is even with that uh, new shampoo yeah. that you put in and it darkens it a little bit. Yes. Um, so, and that is largely due to new product categories um, and, and because that is an investment into itself, you know, but, but I think it was the right strategy for our business. The whole purpose of that was to lead, as I mentioned, towards this moment in time of publishing wages and starting to develop partnerships and coalitions. And so, we have been talking to the United Nations. Mm. Um, we've been talking to other brands around the country. I think what we're most excited about this year, you're going to see a Nashville coalition launch where there's a group of brands that are all going to come out and say, we're committed to publishing our wages. Mm-hmm. So I just think for me, this is, you know, I feel I figure I probably got about 15 good years left in me. Oh my gosh. Brain power. <laughs> no
0: and, way. And so, I have encountered so many men lately in their 80s John Maxwell and Gary Gary Chapman, Chapman. who are still killing it, yeah. still killing it in their I mean, 80s. you don't know come my on. family
1: history. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, I, I really think that I, I just see this as the rest of my career. Yeah. If I can enthusiastically and passionately care about this, if I can help other companies come on board and catch the vision, the long-term vision, that that, you know, I just, I honestly... What, what sort of keep me up at night was the thought of standing in front of St. Peter and being like, I being like, man, you sold a ton of bags. Yeah. But why did you not invest as much of your time in making sure that the women around the world that were making your products and other companies products were protected?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that keeps, that kept me up. And mm-hmm. so the question was, how are we going to do it? How are we going to, to, to change the industry? And so we, as we said, landed on this publishing wages thing as as a way to drive consumer demand. And so if I can see towards the end of my career that label on every single person's fashion product, then I know that we will have had more impact on poverty uh, in the last 10 years than the last 1,000.
0: Yeah. So good.
1: I'm, uh, that's the dream.
0: I love it. I love, I love big dreamers. I love people who, uh, shoot up, this is, this is the business I'm in is like, well, let's aim at, aim at the sun.
1: Aim at the sun. And you know, the thing is though, uh, even for the listeners and the thought around that is again, none of that ever for me starts out with the big vision first. It never generates out of, we want to change the fashion industry. It, ge- it generates out of what's the next step that we want to do. We want to protect a woman. And then all of a sudden, like you said, you become educated. You watch True Cost, mm-hmm. which is on Netflix currently. It's a brilliant film about the fashion industry.
0: You read Half the Sky.
1: You read Half the Sky, yeah. and all of a sudden that opens you up and mm-hmm. says, hold on, we need to start empowering women more. Mm-hmm. So it's always just the next step. And that very – so So the vision wasn't to change the fashion industry, but what landed in our lap was was this idea that we believe could. But really, I think what we care about the most at the end of the day – is what what gives me peace and joy in my life is my daily interactions with my family, with the people that I work with. And so whether the vision is super grand or we're just making, you know, just jewelry mm-hmm. and employing a few women in Nashville to do that, all that's okay. I kind of think in all of it's the same in God's economy. Mm-hmm. It's really the, the heart and the intention and, uh, that you put behind it. So that's what, so no matter how big it is, I just want to make sure that it, it, how, how, how big it is doesn't matter if everybody at your company is unhappy, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or if
1: you're unhappy at home, yeah. et cetera. So that's, that's what we're shooting for oh. is, is happy home. And then we'll see if the big thing happens.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. And if you're listening, it's not just a good story. It's also really good close. Thank you. Uh, lots of people send me stuff. Lots of people do. And nobody... I Like, that jacket has gotten more play in my life than it. <laughs> and if you guys are like, what are you talking... Go look on my Instagram. I've worn the yeah. able jacket a bajillion times. The Merley jacket. In fact, it's on... It's, I won't even say the magazine because I'm not supposed to announce it, but I'm on the cover of a magazine in March and I'm wearing, I'm wearing that jacket. So Can we hug across this yeah, table Yeah, we right can hug across the oh table. Oh my gosh. Always. Thank you. Um, of course. Thank you for uh, doing that. So yeah. So if you have never um, gotten to go look through Abel's incredible wardrobe, all the things that you need to add to your life, tell them where they can go on Instagram, tell them where they can go on the internet.
1: So livefashionable.com. hmm is our is our URL because Able's super expensive. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and it kind of started out as Live Fashion Able, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the tie-in, and then that's also our handle. Yeah. Um, uh, is Live Fashionable on Instagram and places like that? Yeah. You and know, y'all are and,
0: super fun to follow on Instagram. Thank you. A good feed.
1: But you know, we know we know your audience. We we see who your who who loves to team up with Rachel and follow you, and so. We are grateful for this opportunity and if it if it makes sense we'd love to offer like a 25% yes. discount card. That's
0: amazing. We
1: just want the we want people to have an opportunity, yes. you know, and and the way that it works is is fear not the people that paid the made the products are still paid the exact same amount. Yeah. But we want to give you an entry point and to know and able yes. and and if you love it then great follow us and work with us and and yep. proliferate that message yes. of publishing wages.
0: Yes. Yes. So if they are, yes, 25% off. That's amazing. Let's How do get they started. get that? How do they get that?
1: Well, that's a good question. How about they use the code Hollis?
0: Great. H-O-L-L-I-S at checkout. At yeah, checkout. Yeah, awesome. They'll yep, use it. And what's the knit? What kind of jacket is my favorite jacket? Is it It's still called stock? the
1: Merly jacket. It's M-E-R-L-Y. Yes. That's kind of the lighter distress yep. jacket. Yes. There's one that's darker now. Yes. There's a white one yep. there's a yep. crop top all right all
0: right i don't even know what that means so, so i have a do you know i have a line coming out with qvc yes yeah so i have a line coming that. out with qvc and qvc has been amazing uh but we have a denim jacket i'm like never gonna be that easy. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness, i'll never introduce gonna you, in you in to jenny level. our designer right, so perfect how? perfect um hey thank you so much for coming on likewise today. I really appreciate i'm so
1: grateful time. that i yeah. got to spend time with oh you oh my gosh
0: hang out on more than just this podcast, which means that the next time you're on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, be sure and type Rachel Hollis into the search bar and check out all the fun things we have going on on your favorite platform. Hey you guys, if you like the Rise or Rise Together podcast, you're going to love my monthly live coaching series.
1: What did you just say?
0: I'm doing a coaching series. I'm I'm like your favorite coach, but with hair extensions and eyelash extensions and a pension for Beyonce.
1: What kind of coaching Are you coaching?
0: Okay, thank you for asking. There's actually two different classes. One is life coaching. Those are for people who want to work on their relationship, their health, their personal, all the personal stuff. And then there's something I'm really excited about, business coaching. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I'm really proud of the company that I've built, and I want to share that wisdom with you. So if you own a small business and you want to dig into how to do social media, how to find new clients, how to grow your revenue base. This is how we're gonna do it. I bet they can get more info at thehollisco.com. You sure are right, buddy. You can watch videos about what the coaching series is all about, how you join in, and what is included with your membership.